3: Well, hello, welcome in Monday edition of the program. Uh, a different tune to things, I think, with IU basketball since we spoke last on Wednesday. We had no show Thursday or Friday because the Hoosiers, uh, during this hour, were in the middle of Big Ten Conference tournament games, uh, both in which they were successful in, and then on Saturday they had a real battle down to the wire. With Iowa, and uh, I feel like we've been watching a different IU basketball team over the last three games. Xavier Johnson is a completely different player to me than what he was earlier in the season, and just generally this team uh, plays much harder, and I know they've always been fairly good at defense. Their defense appears to be much more active. I'm not sure what changed or what switch was flipped. And again, this team is not perfect. There were still some breakdowns. There was still an early or a late lead against Iowa, I should say, that was lost, uh, where Indiana could have been playing on Sunday in the Big Ten championship game. But uh, when we left here on Wednesday, I felt confident that uh, IU would not be in the NCAA tournament. I was sure that they would probably lose to Michigan on Thursday in Big Ten conference play, the opening round for IU. And if somehow they could muster an ugly win against Michigan, I thought for sure they would be out Friday and have really no chance to compete with Kofi Coburn uh, and uh, Illinois. Obviously, I, I was wrong on all accounts, and this Indiana team is headed to the NCAA tournament, which is so exciting, I know, for the fan base. And just for a moment, we've got a very busy show today, but just for a moment, Uh, Can you imagine what it would be like for multiple seasons for IU to be really good, for IU to make runs deep into the NCAA tournament? I'm not even talking about Final Four runs, but for IU to maybe win a Big Ten championship in the regular season or for IU to win a Big Ten tournament conference championship. Can you imagine what that would be like? Just the last three or four days, it's been pandemonium in local restaurants and bars and establishments. And the feedback I get as a guy that hosts a daily radio show focused a lot on IU basketball is just unbelievable. And it just tells you that that fan base, that excitement – that willingness to be really, really crazy is still there. Indiana just has to produce and put a product on the floor that can bring that out of people here in the state and uh, all IU fans that are out there. So uh, fun times ahead, IU men and women both dancing. The IU women get the highest seed that they have ever had. Uh, We'll debate the IU uh, placement in the bracket. They've got to go to the first four in Dayton. Uh, I don't like it necessarily, but I understand, I think, why Michigan was the higher seed. We'll talk about that. And I don't mind I use draw. I think Wyoming is going to be a very different type of challenge from what Indiana has seen in the last few games. Um, Wyoming really likes to pound it inside. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the Tuesday night matchup. But I think this Indiana team's hot, and they need to keep playing and they'll get that opportunity to do so on Tuesday. And then I know St. Mary's from the West Coast is really good. They play in the same conference with the Zags and have, have beat them, have played with them, uh, so they're going to clearly be a big challenge. But I, I think Indiana's got an opportunity to maybe win a couple games. Now they could also get beat Tuesday night if they revert back to the IU team that we've seen a few weeks ago, so we'll see how it goes. But a lot of excitement here for the first time, I think other than one time since we've been doing this show, we can say that IU is headed to the NCAA tournament, and we've actually here in the middle part of March got live and upcoming basketball to talk about instead of talking about uh, off-season stuff here in the middle of March. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Quickly, let's look at the show lineup for today. Service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got to jump right into our first guest here in a few moments. Ryan Miller, the coach of Providence, is going to be with us. The Pioneers were absolutely excellent over the weekend. They beat two Really good basketball teams on Saturday down in Huntingburg at the South Ridge Regional. And Providence is our only local team still alive and headed on to a one-game semi-state Saturday. They will play on Saturday night against Eastern Hancock. And it's basically a Final Four a semifinal matchup. If the Pioneers can muster a victory, they will move on uh, to the 2A state championship game the following week in Indianapolis. So Coach Miller is with us to talk about all that coming up here in just a bit. Also, later in the program, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will be with us. We'll talk about IU's somewhat magical ride in the Big Ten tournament. We'll talk about IU in the first four, uh, Wyoming and uh, so much more around this program coming up here in just a bit in segment number two and then later in the show on Mondays, Chad Gilbert Athletic Director at Charlestown, former coach in the area, current IHSA Executive Board is a member as well. He joins me to talk local sports this time of year. It's a lot of basketball stuff. We'll talk about our local teams and regional action over the weekend. Uh, There were some great, great games out there, and there were some big, big surprises over the weekend. I thought for sure the Highlanders would be moving on to the semi-state. If they did get beat this weekend, I thought it would come at the hands of Bloomington North and a big battle in the championship game up at Seymour. I did not see uh, FC getting beat by Franklin, and they did. And we'll talk about that game coming up a little bit later when Chad is with me here in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honeybaked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Ham in new albany let's get right to our first guest ryan miller the coach of providence coach thanks for being with us here on this busy monday first and foremost congratulations to you and the pioneers saturday was a big challenge and your guys answered the call both in the morning and the evening
4: oh yeah hey matt Uh, always great talking to you uh thank you appreciate that we're very uh proud of and excited for our boys they really did step up big time it was uh Tremendous level of competition, as you stated, um, you know, first game having to go against Linton and then another uh, strong opponent in Forest Park who's just a few minutes down the road and brought a big fan base. So two uh, two really tough, hard-fought games and just really excited, uh, you know, for our boys and for our community uh, to be able to uh, move on.
3: All right, uh, Coach, let's go back and kind of review the day. Uh, first and foremost, your team beat a really good player, in heart and a really good team in Linton Stockton on Saturday afternoon to get the right to play for a regional championship. That was a really tough game. It took everything you guys had to offer. Linton's a great program, a state championship caliber program, and that was a huge win for you to get things rolling in Huntingburg.
4: Oh yeah, it, it certainly was. We knew it was going to be um, a battle, as you said, um, you know, star player in heart. Uh, I know big 10 schools are looking at him and and you can see why you know when you watch him on film and then and then you face him um just has a, a lot of ways he can score the ball um you know a uh, tremendous tremendous uh jump shot knock it down from deep from three and then can go off the bounce as well you know has size and knew that would be a really big challenge for us uh not only stopping him, but another uh, you know other great players as well. You know an athletic you know six five long athletic point guard, um, you know number twenty four Webb, a six three strong. You know all their boys are obviously they have a strong football program as well, and you 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 could tell that those boys uh, you know had been in the weight room and uh, you know very very tough, very uh, fundamentally sound. Everybody knows their role on that team. They're they're well coached. Um, you know, it, it was just a tremendous challenge and we knew it was gonna, well, we, we hoped, we hoped it would kind of go down to the wire, uh, like it did, uh, with, with the shot to win it. And fortunately, you know, whenever you make a run, if you've been in the game long enough, you realize when you make runs, you, you got to have a good team, but things also have to bounce your way here and there. And, uh, fortunately for us, you know, we were able to make just enough plays, down the stretch, and when the buzzer went off, we had three three more points than them.
3: All right, now the night game, you take on a good Forest Park team that had their way with Paoli earlier in Memorial Gym that day, and this Forest Park team, they, they've got a great uh, sports community as well, uh, great basketball program there. Over the years, they've got postseason uh, understanding. That's a community that, that's that's one. They just won the girls to a state championship a few weeks ago. And not only was this Forest Park team good coming in with a 22 and four record to the championship game, but they have a player named Drew Howard that I hadn't seen since his younger days but had heard so much about. And he became this season the all-time leading scorer at Forest Park. And if you know anything about the history of that program, that's quite an honor for him with some of the the really talented players they've had move through the program. So you come back at night taking on a well-coached team, another very solid team, and and a great player in Drew Howard, and you guys able to win that as well. And it was a different ball game in the first half. And then the pace picked up a bit in the second half. But uh, a big win once again. And another big challenger for your team to, to get to Semester State that time.
4: Yeah, yeah. They were definitely two different uh, games uh, for sure. And, and as you said, you know, uh, that first one, uh, you know, as soon as it was over, although we knew that was, um, you know, a, a big-time game, big win, um, we, we try to, you know, tell our guys and, and everyone, our coaches, our players, everyone like, all right, that game's over, move on next one. But, um, but <laughs> now we can, we can speak realities now. And it did take a lot out, out of our guys. Um, you know, you could just tell it showed in the second game and, and, you know, same thing for Forest Park, you know, they had, to you know, battle out a game with Paoli uh, in their first round. So. But yeah, for our guys, you know, it was it was emotionally and physically quite draining. Um, you know, to to get through that first game against Linton and uh, you know, it it showed in the first half. You know, there were some looks that normally you think, gosh, we put these in and there was just a lid on the bucket and um you know, and and you know, Forest Park, obviously, a really really nice team, uh, as you said as well. But you could tell both teams were were having a battle through. Uh, you know that that second game of the day, which is a, a unique, you know, unique situation. Um, you know, relative to what the boys are accustomed to, but uh, you know, uh, it, it, we also knew it'd be tough uh, in terms of the environment. You know, Forest Park, as you said, a great. A great, uh, you know, sports community, and and they brought out a tremendous crowd, and knew that it would be um, loud, and, and there'd be an energy there, and and there'd be a lot of Forest Park uh, supporters in the gym. So it was it was a challenge, as you said, Howard, a heck of a player. I mean, lightning quick, gets down the floor so quickly. His his brother's a nice player too, and then the other guys know their roles, and you know, they can shoot at some, and they crash the boards, they get after it. So uh yeah, it was it was two hard fought games for us. Fortunately, as you said, in the second half, you know, especially Casey Kalen got it going some and, and you know, felt like things opened up a little bit for us then and we were able to start playing, you know, more of our game and and just settle in, you know, to where we felt like we were starting to play, you know, our basketball.
3: Ryan Miller, he's the Providence coach. The Pioneers headed to semi-state at Seymour next Saturday. And, Coach, you mentioned Casey Kalen. I want to talk about him a little further. He had 15 points in the morning game against Linton Stockton. Then he exploded in that championship game uh, for a game-high 26 points he was fantastic in the final, especially uh, even late in the ball game. after two tough games. He's still driving hard to the basket, uh, creative with uh, being able to score, and he made some great passes late as well that I think in the, uh, the busyness of everything, I hope we gave recognition to that during our play-by-play of the regional championship game, but he had an outstanding day and uh, really showed his, I think, potential as a basketball player.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. Casey is a is a big time player. Um, he always is ready to step up, you know, against the the high level competition in the big moments. And you know, and we we have a, a lot of really nice players on our team, and you know, all of them are are ready for the big moments. Um, you know, and we have we have really good balance, which is you know something that uh, we we always strive for. But you do need a, a couple. You know go-to guys as well you know in the big moments are are willing and ready you know to step up and make some plays and uh, Casey certainly uh, did that for us uh, you know on Saturday especially in that night game where we just you know for whatever reason just couldn't get our shots to fall shots that normally we think are pretty good looks for us and they just weren't going down and and eventually, Casey got a few to go down, and and it felt like everybody had a little bit of a collective sigh of relief. And uh, you know, then he started just you know making plays, and and I think other guys fed off of that as well, gave them some confidence, and and you know we just got back to playing, playing our game.
3: Uh, Coach Miller, I, I know you well away from the interviews we have on the radio, and I, I've brought this up with other regional coaches, semi-state coaches before. Uh, I think the regional Saturday is the toughest day to prepare for as as far as your coaching staff goes and players – It's the toughest day to manage through as far as a coach, and players are playing multiple games. Normally both of them are against really good teams, as was the case for your Pioneers on Saturday. Not that semi-state's going to be easy or a cinch, and not that there won't be challenges ahead, because we get to this point of the season, it's all really good teams, all really good coaches left. But Saturday, from a preparation standpoint, from a scouting standpoint, uh, from that first game to second game, in between games, there's so many logistics that go into being on the road for multiple games like that. I'm not sure the average fan, the average Pioneer fan, that they got to go to the awesome uh, uh, environment that is Huntingburg's Memorial Gymnasium and watch both of those very well-played games probably understands everything that goes on in the background. But it's a tough day to get through as a coach.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I am uh, very glad you, you asked about that, Matt, because uh, I, I wanted to be able to talk about my coaching staff uh, for a minute here. Uh, you hit the nail on the head with all of that. It is, it is, uh, it is a very un, unusual uh, situation. Nothing really quite prepares you for it uh, other than just having to have gone through it. Uh, you know i've I've been fortunate to uh you know be able to be there as an assistant coach uh a few times, and even then you really don't have an appreciation for what all's going into it until you know you're kind of in those shoes as the head coach and you realize oh my gosh everything going on not just with basketball but all the other logistics as you referred to. Um, especially when you're a little further away, like we are, and you stay the night and you're just coordinating so many things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a huge challenge in that regard. I'll also say that it's, it's just awesome. You know, as you said, the, the environment, the atmosphere there at Huntingburg Memorial Gymnasium, um, it, it doesn't get much better than that. It's, it's kind of classic Hoosier hysteria, you know, environment and, um, it's just so much fun, but it's also uh, uh, so much hard work. Uh, you know that goes into it. So much preparation. It's it's a it's the combination of an incredibly fun and stressful. Uh, week and weekend and you cannot do it without just a tremendous coaching staff and and that's that's what we are so fortunate and blessed to have here at providence you know every single guy on the bus ride back i said you know if just one of you guys were not in the picture here um i don't think we would have you know succeeded you know in, in in accomplishing this this weekend and and i truly mean that you know i got guys who um you know are are essentially like uh I got two or three guys who are capable of being head coaches, you know, who, who are on the staff with me. And um, just a great collection of guys. Uh, we, 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 we talk about, you know, we talked about before the game, just, you know, hey, everyone needs to have a voice. You should talk with, with my good friend uh, Greg Walters. He and I coached, uh, we're fortunate to coach under Todd Sturgeon at Floyd Central. And, and we'd say, you know, in any big game, especially playoff time, you know, if you think it, say it. Uh, don't let anything be left unsaid. Um, you know, especially when you got a group that that trust each other and and we want to hear your thoughts, your ideas. And and our guys, not only with their preparation was tremendous. We had several guys watching, you know, all of our opponents and had us fully prepared. You know, coming off of the first game. Uh, you know, for the first game, obviously we put a lot of focus on that one, but but we were prepared for the next rounds too. And that's a testament, you know, to the coaching staff we have in place. Uh, Lance Stimler, Dan Block, Chris Carruthers, Brad Dimmon, who handles a lot of those logistical things. Uh, Bart Makowski, who uh, prepares our, 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 our stuff, you know, for us uh, before practice. Uh, every day as the first guy to the gym, leads us in prayer every day. Mike Gosman, who watches, you know, more film than any other human being possible. <laughs> uh, Tori Winchester, who just joined us as a freshman coach. I mean, every single one of these guys. I know I'm rambling, but I haven't had the opportunity to do this. You know, you say things in, in the paper and, and hats off to News and Tribune for all their coverage as well. Really appreciate them. Uh, you say things, but of course you're kind of, you know, you get just snippets of what's being said there, you know? So I really appreciate Matt. You give me this opportunity to just really talk about my coaching staff for a second and just say how daggone much I love those guys and how blessed, you know, we are to have every single one of them. Hopefully if if I didn't say one of your names, you can, you know, <laughs> those guys can, can give it to me uh, afterwards. But I think I touched on every single one of them, and uh, Sean Morris also helps with our freshman team. There you go. I think I got all of them. Good, <laughs> but what what a great group of guys! And and dag on it, they had us so prepared in every facet. And like you said, you have no idea what goes into it and just the grind of, of the full season. And then this regional weekend until you've actually been there, like you said, and you have been there, you get it, you understand. And uh, it is a fun, awesome weekend, but boy, there's a lot of, a lot of hard work and preparation that goes into it. And, and you really need a full team of, of coaches to do that and, And hats off to those guys, you know, my staff. They are the best. I wouldn't trade them for anything.
3: Yeah, great. Glad to give you an opportunity to mention those guys as well because, believe me, I understand what goes into a victory and just the whole experience. So uh, congratulations to you, them players as well. And, Coach, um, I still want to talk to you about Eastern Hancock. And normally – uh, we have like a semi-state preview show, and I know you and I spoke about this last night. We are so busy on the air this week. We've got regular programming. We've got Kentucky High School Sweet 16 stuff with Mail and J-Town down in Lexington. We've got IU in the postseason. We've got Purdue in the postseason. So many things here on the Big X that we're going to try something a little different this year. If you follow me on Twitter, at Hoosier Hills, all one word, Hoosier Hills on Twitter, There's something fairly new called a Twitter space, and I've really enjoyed some of them recently. There have been a lot of good basketball spaces. Kyle Neddenrip from the Indianapolis Stars has been doing some uh, for Indianapolis area high school hoops, and it was great to catch up in between games Saturday with results and some insight from around the state. And we're going to do a Twitter space with Coach Miller and maybe some players and who, who knows, maybe some eastern hancock uh, 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 affiliation as well with that later in the week and we don't have a date or time set but i'll promote it on the program but if you really want to dig into the semi-state at seymour and hear more about providence and learn more about eastern hancock coach miller is going to be uh uh, kind enough to test the waters with a twitter space to preview the semi-state again you'll need to follow me at hoosier hills on twitter to be able to access that it's obviously free And if you've got the app on your phone, that's a great way to do it. But stay tuned. We'll have more on that coming out a little bit later in the week. Coach Miller, congratulations. We'll talk again on that semi-state preview Twitter spaces later in the week.
4: Hey, thanks so much. I really look forward to it. And I also want to say, hey, thanks for – being over there in uh on the Big X, you guys covering our game, that championship final regional game. Uh, so many people in our community uh, were really grateful to be able to listen to you guys on the radio. So thanks for all you do for uh, for Southern Indiana High School Hoops.
3: Thank you. Coach Miller of Providence with us. And it was a long day, by the way, on Saturday. Jeff Crawford and I trekked to Seymour early. We got there for the first game. I really thought we'd be in Seymour all day, and I'll talk about this later with Chad Gilbert. I really thought the Highlanders would be one of our local teams uh, coming out of the day, and I was just really surprised at the result and how things went uh, for Floyd. They had a tremendous season, a tremendous team, just did not look themselves in that semifinal game against Franklin Community. And so when that game was over, we uh, quickly – we did catch the end of the IU game. I was able to watch about the last 10 minutes or so in Seymour before we departed. But we hit all the back roads in southern Indiana, made it over to Huntingburg, And uh, thank you, Coach Miller, as well for those comments because it was a great game to be at. I had always wanted to do a postseason game – at Memorial Gymnasium in Huntingburg, and it was a good one to do. Providence and Forest Park, and I know we had a lot of listenership from the Providence and really the overall Southern Indiana community that I think so well supports each other when we get to this time of year. So Providence is it, though. They are our last entry locally, and they'll play Eastern Hancock, who has a good team, coming up on Saturday night at 6 o'clock at Seymour. We'll head to a commercial break. Hey, the Thornton's text line is open, 502 414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Send in your comments. Were you at a high school game over the weekend? I know there's thoughts out there on the Hoosiers. Getting in the NCAA tournament, how they played in the Big Ten tournament, love to hear those. Zach Osterman is next, so we'll take your questions for him. Stay with us. A jam-packed edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday edition of the program. Zach Osterman of the Indy Star is with us to talk all about the Hoosiers headed to the NCAA tournament. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. You can send in your comments and questions to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Welcome in, Zach. And I tell you what, now that we uh, have seen how this plays out, we know what the committee was thinking. Are you really – not only needed to beat michigan in the big 10 tournament but they needed every bit of that win over the regular season big 10 champion illinois team uh, for iu to have any sniff any chance to get into the big dance
1: yeah and full disclosure uh before we start here i'm in my car and in about a mile and a half you're going to hear some navigation directions i'm driving up to indianapolis picked up right now so i will try to talk over apple maps as best i can I, i'll be a little bit alarmed if, if apple maps starts offering thoughts on iu basketball uh, that, that will feel a little bit too big brother for me but yes. i think you're absolutely right and i think that it you know, I mean, this weekend was maybe a little bit of a reminder, and it feels like we do this most selection Sundays. We overestimate how much the committee is going to care about conference tournament weekend. And I'll hear arguments for the idea that maybe they should care more, but, like, it's not just Indiana, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, Tennessee, you know, maybe even a couple big ten teams, maybe in Iowa, having a case that they were a little bit under Um, But it does feel like we kind of do this every year, that, that we, we – We get swept up in what happens conference tournament weekend and think that that's going to have some sort of seismic impact on, you know, basically what happens uh, happens on Selection Sunday, and the committee, you know, I think tends to have stuff more baked in than that by the time they start getting to Friday, Saturday, Sunday results. I do think that it's probably fair to assume that Indiana is one of the last teams in the field would not have been if they'd not beaten Illinois, and... You know, I think we all thought that beating Michigan was obviously crucial, but that they were probably right on the cut line and it was going to matter what else happened. Indiana probably isn't in the first four if Richmond doesn't upset Davidson in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Um, but that, again, speaks to the importance of that Illinois win, inching Indiana ahead of somebody else, ahead of a Dayton or a Texas A&M or whoever it might have been. I think they absolutely did need essentially all of that, all of what they did, maybe even to some extent the loss to Iowa and leaving just that, that lasting, you know, firm impression in the committee's eyes uh, to get into the first four here in Dayton.
3: I tell you what, it, it one texter on the Thornton's text line just wrote this in. I agree. He said, I think the play-in game is a positive thing for us. The crowd will be 95% pro Hoosier, and it's a chance to get the butterflies out. Let us use this game to our advantage I do think with this Indiana team turning the corner here over the weekend or over the last week and playing uh, better basketball, in many ways they've looked like a different team. We'll get to that here in a moment. But I do think uh, continuing to play uh, could be a good thing. Now, I know there's injuries. I know there's rest. I know there's a lot of travel involved in this thing from Bloomington to Dayton, and then obviously out west if IU can win on Tuesday night. But I don't see a bad thing for this IU team playing sooner rather than later. What's your whole thoughts on the play-in game?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, I actually watched, and I don't always do this. I don't always have time, but I did find myself a little bit of time last night. I watched some Wyoming film. I think this could be a good matchup for Indiana. I don't know that I'm not saying Indiana is just going to walk over Wyoming. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that that a lot of the things Wyoming does well kind of play into Indiana's hands. I don't know that Wyoming is a team that fits the profile of kind of the teams we've seen really give Indiana trouble this season. Um, Again, that's not to say they can't beat IU. But I, I would say the matchups favor Indiana at this point, that the team profiles favor Indiana. It does feel, and it's you know, this is a really easy thing to say because it's it's impossible to quantify. You know, we can say it, and then if Indiana loses, we can say, "Well, see, we we told you." And if they win, we can say, "Well, see, we told you." Um, but it does feel a little bit like a lot of what's going to a lot of Indiana success Tuesday night is just going to be dictated by where Indiana is mentally. You know, I, I heard you mention some as I was coming back on some of that you know, some of the social media reaction. And I think Indiana feeling a little bit disrespected by this. I think you could even see that they, they were excited when they heard their name called, there was a little video released of of their team room and their locker room. They were excited when they heard their name called, but you could also see some like, Hey, why are we in Dayton? You know, kind of in some guy's body language. If they take that not to get too cliche, but if they take that as sort of the, the, you know, quote unquote chip on a shoulder, you know, really kind of use it to prove themselves, whatever else. Um, then I think they've got a really good chance to win tomorrow night. I think they've got a good chance, frankly, to win somewhat comfortably. I don't think they'll win by 25, but, you know, that it's not like a four-point game with a minute to go or anything like that. But if they go out there and they're not taking Wyoming seriously or there's some deflation and some feeling like, geez, you know, why do we have to be here? We shouldn't be here. Somebody else should have been here and not us. Um, Then I think they could be in trouble because, obviously, Wyoming is still a team that won, what, I think 26 games this season. They've got some really good players particularly at the top end of their roster Maldonado and EK um, and they're going to look at Indiana as obviously a, a huge scalp here so I think that you know, a lot of this to me is just going to come down to where Indiana is from a mental, perspective
3: approaching this game, frankly. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Zach, I know you're uh, digging in to learn more about Wyoming like all of us are. Um, What I've learned so far, and some of it was what you wrote earlier this morning, Wyoming has three double-digit scores, and they also – uh, like to post up a lot, a lot of interior play from this Cowboys team. Can you tell us what you know about uh, Tuesday night's opponent so far? And you mentioned team profiles and comparisons and that IU uh, does look good as far as matchups is concerned. But take us into some of those.
1: So they've got two big players, Hunter Maldonado, and I think his name's Graham Ek. I'm almost positive it's Graham Ek. I just don't have it the roster right in front of me. Ek averaged almost a double double this year. Um, he's he's actually sort of similar in profile, frankly, to Trace Jackson Davis, uh, like in, in the sense that I don't think he's, you know, that that Kofi Coburn Miles Johnson type that can give Jackson Davis trouble because he's got strength and length. D.K.'s about not, but his shot blocking numbers aren't anything, frankly, to write home about. Um, Maldonado is more interesting. He's six foot seven. He averages, and I don't remember his exact averages. Forgive me, but roughly 18 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, six and a half assists a game. He's not a great shooter, but he's very active. If you watch him on film, he is and he's also not an elite athlete, which I think you know, we've talked about Indiana struggling with that sort of those wing spots a little bit, you know, defending those 6'6", 6'7", kind of hybrid wing players. I don't know if Melvin Otto's got the athleticism that has given Indiana trouble in those spots at times this season, but he is very active. He's very like you know, he chases shots, he goes for second chances, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. He, he is somebody that you have to be aware of through the whole possession, whether he's on the ball or not. Um, and obviously he's also a, a player that can have a really diverse impact, both in terms of scoring and also creating. They seem to run a lot of kind of motion principles offensively, at least in what I've seen. And I only watched film from a couple games. I saw him against Boise State. Um, they're okay with it. To be honest with you, it, it seemed to, at least against Boise State, which is a pretty good defensive team, statistically speaking, it seemed to break down into ISO offense maybe a little bit too easily. They weren't getting enough touches for EK. Uh, Boise State was doing a good job defending the post in that game. Defensively, unless I'm losing my mind, they run the pack line. So, you know, Indiana fans will <laughs> will have some fond memories of, uh, of Indiana trying to run the pack line in the last four years. I mean, it, it you know, I think – I'm a little bit more interested in what they can do defensively because they do have length and they do have some size. Like, I don't think that Indiana can just overwhelm them with, with size or athleticism. And typically the best way to beat the back line is to hit threes, but obviously Indiana's struggled with that in the last, what, five, six years at this point. I mean, it feels like basically forever. Um, but offensively, in particularly if you look at kind of what – What Wyoming has done, because surprisingly, uh, in in Kinpom, the Mountain West has, I think, four teams that are, like, top 25 defensively, uh, nationally in terms of defensive efficiency, adjusted efficiency. Um, There is a a pronounced difference between what Wyoming has done against teams that are of that defensive profile, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State to some extent. They also played Arizona. They got – roughed up pretty good by Arizona in the non-conference earlier this season. There's a pronounced difference between what Wyoming's done offensively against those kinds of teams and teams that look a lot more like what Indiana is defensively. Um, and what Wyoming has been able to do against, you know, quite frankly, just some of the,
3: uh,
1: there there she is. Now we're doing now, now we're going, um, telling me about, I think some road work ahead, forgive me, but, um, yeah, Dustin, Dustin just moved into a new place, and I don't know where he lives, so I can't get there without the map. I'm
3: I sorry. gotcha, gotcha.
1: Um, but there is a difference, a pronounced difference, between what they do against really good defenses and what they do against everybody else. I think Indiana defensively should be able to win some matchups in this game if they're sharp. The question for me will be how Indiana navigates what, to me, looks like a very sort of pack line principle defense if Indiana can't hit some shots to loosen it up because, you know, in in spurts, Indiana's been able to do that this year, and we we obviously know that Xavier Johnson is, from a creative perspective, probably playing as well as any point guard in the the Big Ten right now, certainly kind of any maybe any point guard even in the Midwest. But there's a difference between creating the shots and actually knocking the shots down, And, and especially against a defense that is designed to really shrink things inside. You know, can Indiana loosen it up with some outside shooting?
3: All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, joining us. While he's on the road, Zach, this is one of those shows where we, we could have you on for the full hour, but thanks for all the insight, and uh, we'll talk with you again soon. Uh, a very uh, wild weekend covering the Big Ten tournament, I'm sure, in the Hoosiers and, of course, the NCAA selection last night. I know you've got some travel, potentially a lot of travel ahead of you this week, so uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch.
1: Yeah, who knows where we'll be the next time we
3: talk.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Uh, thank you, Zach. I do want to go back to the Thornton's text line before we go to break. Uh, some good text, Coach Chandley, who I respect so much, uh, his, his opinions, and, of course, former high school coach, he said, Matt, I don't like having to play uh, in the play-in game. Fourth fourth game in six days, coming off three highly emotional games. Going to be difficult to get to that emotional level. Definitely a good point there from Coach Chanley. And then another text uh, I like. This one says, IU prediction. Either they lose Tuesday to Wyoming or advance to the Sweet 16. And i tell you what, I'm not so sure – that I wouldn't agree with that prediction. Now it's just a prediction, but I think when I pull fill my bracket out, obviously I'm going to pick IU to beat Wyoming. I think Indiana may be a sweet 16 team on my bracket winning a couple games in the tournament at least two. So um, I've seen others say that as well, uh, that, that peep teams or, or folks that really follow this stuff uh, are recognizing Indiana is hot right now. I don't think there's anybody that you know wants to draw, wants to play Indiana right now. Now, can they keep up what they've done? Who knows? But uh, I agree, Texter, with your opinion that it could be Tuesday or maybe, who knows, a Sweet 16 for the Hoosiers. Also, another text uh, just in. Uh, let's see here, I think that may be for another show. No, that's, that's for our show. We'll get to that in the next segment. But, again, anytime you got something to say or a question to ask, uh, 502-414-1450 just open up a text message and fire it in we'll do our best to work them all here on the show today and each and every day we'll head to a break and uh, be back with more texture rights. do not overlook St. Mary uh, No, I, I agree they, they are good and uh, there's no question about that they are a good team not from a big well known conference but they are good there's no question about it we'll talk more about that uh, later in the week I'm sure if Indiana moves on to play them we'll head to a break we'll come back with our final segment it's going to be a quick one unfortunately today with Chad Gilbert to talk local stuff lots of uh, fun over the weekend from a basketball perspective stay with us for that conversation this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison
0: We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison
4: Let's win this and for
3: all the small schools who never had a chance to get here
0: Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective.
4: Let's win for coach. You got us here.
0: Here's Matt
3: Dennison. And we're back. Final segment, a quick one, unfortunately, with Chad Gilbert, who's my guest, Chad. Lots of great basketball over the weekend. We had Coach Miller on in the first segment to uh, celebrate the Providence success. They're headed to the semi-state. And I want to start with this with you. Really surprised with Floyd Central. They came out on Saturday against Franklin, who won their 12th game of the season when they beat Floyd at Seymour and just did not look themselves. So Yes, Franklin played a good game and hit some just monster shots at at key times to keep momentum or to stave off a Floyd Central run, but I was really surprised. That was my biggest takeaway from Saturday from a high school perspective with the Highlanders not advancing on.
2: Man, it just shows you how special the basketball tournament is in Indiana, NCAA. It's one and done. We've said this many, many times. You don't have to be the best team. You just have to be the best team on that night, you look at Floyd Central, they dodged a bull against James County. I think after they played Jeffersonville, everybody thought, man, they had their scare game behind them. They're going to make a deep, deep, deep run. It plays like that. You know, that's that's how hard it is to win a championship. Is Floyd Central in the handful of teams that can win a state championship? Absolutely. But anyone who's been around this game long enough knows You've got to be good, and you've got to be lucky. It just takes one bad game, you know. One, not even a bad game, just an off night, and someone else's great game, and it, and you're sent home. That's the what makes it so special. That's what makes it so fun, and that's what makes winning championships so difficult.
3: Chad, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the atmospheres for the regional and the postseason. It's a it's a great time to showcase the gymnasiums that we love so much. In our state, Uh, I tell you what, Seymour, very disappointing as far as the crowd goes. Yes, Floyd Central had a great turnout for that first game against Franklin, and I'm sure that crowd would have grown for Saturday night had Floyd Central advanced. Bloomington North, Evansville North, and even Franklin, who hasn't been to a regional for years and years and years, I could not believe how lackluster the crowds were at Big Lloydy Scott Gymnasium. It just, it was not good. Now, in the evening game for the Providence and Forest Park game, when we trekked over to Huntingburg, much different story. Forest Park nearby and Ferdinand, they had it packed in there. Providence had a good crowd that hung around the entire day. And the morning session with four teams, I understand it was hard to get a seat. So a little different story in Huntingberg. But you get great gyms. But unfortunately, Chad, depending on the schools, where they come from, how important all this is to them, some schools on spring break this time of year, some aren't yet, Uh, crowds aren't always as great as the facilities are.
2: Well, part of that, Matt, is for a – there's so much going on. You know, you get 1-2-A, even 3-A to an extent is, you know, you don't have as many groups going out, whether it's to archery, whether it's to dance competition, whether it's to a dance marathon, whatever else. There's so much going on this time of the year with – uh indoor track. You know, there's just there's just so much going on that the bigger the school, the more activities kids are involved in, which is a good thing. The more activities, the more you get kids involved. And to me, that's part of the educational process. That's part of education-based athletics is to get kids involved in as many groups as possible. But the downfall on that, when you're a smaller school, you've got your sports, and that's what you're focused in on. For um, a that is not necessarily always the case because I think when you have star power, you think of the regionals when Romeo was there, not a seat in the house. I watched a Logansport regional where we had uh, Homestead and Westfield, both had Purdue commitments on the team, not a seat in the house. So when you're in 4A, you've seen a lot, your fans kind of get spoiled, Matt. Does that make sense that you've seen a lot of good players? Unless there's that star attraction, eh, you know, it's just kind of another – Another another game. I hate to say that. You know, when the, the coaches and the kids have put all that out there, that's just one of those deals that I'm gonna go next week. If they if they win this morning, I'm gonna go to the night game tonight. It's one of those deals. When you're in a smaller school, every game counts, and you're gonna get everybody's uh, everybody's neighborhood to go to the game.
3: All right, fun weekend coming up. Uh, Final four weekend of high school basketball. Seymour and Washington will be the two locations with uh, Southern Semi States. Providence will be at Seymour to take on. Eastern Hancock. The game before that at Seymour should be a fantastic uh, 1A ball game featuring North Davies uh, in action, who I understand is just a a great team, fun team to watch. They really slow it down. Going to be another good day of basketball here in our state.
2: Understand this, Matt. For as small a crowd as it appeared to have at the regional at Seymour this last weekend, the semi-state will have it that much crowded. Every one of those teams will bring a huge, huge crowd. So it will be a great atmosphere. If that's what you want to get involved in, that's what you want to get to, and that's what you want to see, Hoosier Hysteria will be at Seymour this weekend.
3: All right, uh, some teams are being knocked out, Chad. And I know that I'm going to open a can of worms here. We'll have to continue this conversation next week. But, you know, in Louisville, you've got Ballard, Fern Creek, Moore, others coming open as far as coaching jobs. There have been some rumors over here. Jeffersonville with Andrew Grant's resigning late last week. It's the only one I'm aware of locally at this moment. But down in Evansville, Michael Adams, a longtime very successful coach. He's announced his retirement. I just have a feeling this could be a really big year for coaching changes, and some of that is a, is a uh, connected. When one guy leaves, they fill it with somebody, then another job opens and so forth. So uh, could it get interesting this off season. I'm hearing?
2: Well, Matt, uh, just – sorry, I was just updating my resume. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what you get on that, Matt, is, you know, this time of the year – it, you, you get a lot of dominoes. You get a lot of things that fall. Guys move to different positions. Uh, they And with the coaches who are there, man, it's been a long haul. You know, think of Mike Adams, 29 years at the same school. You know, Kudos to him for the effort he's put in. Kudos to the, uh, the coaches because it is a hard, hard profession, man. As you know, we all know friends in coaching. And for what you get paid, the hours you put in, very, very minimum. But the rewards you get – of impacting young people's lives is, is much greater than any price you can get
3: paid. Absolutely, Chad. Thanks for being with us today. We'll wrap things up and be back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.